Good morning, Liberty. How's everyone doing? Good. We're going to have a video from uh, a local pastor, and then we'll get into the word. So let's play that video. Pastor Ulysses uh, just actually uh, took over a church in Florissant um, and was, was voted into the church uh, like a week before things kind of shut down. So he, his church is not um, officially uh, met in person. They've you know, gone online like the rest of us. Um, but anyway, we can, be, we can be praying for him. He's uh, a very awesome gentleman. All right, well, uh, we're back in person. Um, hello to all our uh, online viewers, our members, our guests, our friends, and loved ones. Also, a shout-out to all our brothers and sisters in Belize. Uh, we love you all. We're standing with you all. We're praying for you. Um, we know that God is faithful, and he will continue to walk with you all during this time. So stay faithful. God is good. Amen. Well, to stream online and have the audio be halfway decent, one, we were helped out with uh, some, with, we were helped out by some friends at uh, Crosshaven Church. So thank you, Crosshaven, for helping us out and um, for Greg over there letting us come and, and check out his equipment and sh- kind of showing us their setup. But what we figured out quickly was for the audio to be halfway decent, we needed some equipment. And um, pretty much every church in America, maybe even worldwide, figured out they needed some equipment too to go online. So as you can imagine, um, that equipment is pretty much sold out. And uh, on, it's not even on back order. I mean, it, I mean, it tell, tells you it's on back order, but there's no estimated time of, of when it's going to arrive. So we found, we found one place that was selling it. They had one, and it was on eBay, and it was used from a pawn shop. <laughs> so anyway, we put in a, a bid, and God was gracious. We ended up winning it. It, it arrived. Uh, Friday afternoon, so thank you to Justice and Mike Krumroll for spending a lot of time. Um, we kind of had to choose between audio being good and video being good because, as you can imagine also, video cameras um, are at a high demand too. So we've tried a number of different video cameras and setups and regular cameras, and we really couldn't get um, anything to integrate. So we, hopefully that camera is arriving this week. But we decided to go with audio instead of visual. So most of you, if you're, if you're viewing online, I think uh, Justice and Mike said we're, you're viewing it at like 360p, okay? Um, that's like, for us that grew up in like the 70s and 80s, like we'd be perfectly at home, all right? With, with the curved TV screen and everything, all right? That was our high def growing up. Um, most of you are probably familiar with like 1080p, okay? So we were at 360, so just triple that and you can actually probably see me. So for those of you in online, it is Mike Bond uh, actually up here preaching today if you can't, can't make us out. Anyway, hopefully we can get some, some things uh, continued to be tweaked and, and uh, the Lord will continue to be gracious. Turn with me in the word. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4 today. All right, it's so nice to hear the rustle of papers. I know some of y'all are using your iPhones and tablets and that's cool too, but I've missed the rustle of of papers. I've missed seeing y'all, missed being able to look at the word together, seeing y'all look at it as I'm reading it. So I'm uh, blessed, blessed to be back in the presence of the saints physically. Let's read Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. It says this, let your eyes 
Look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray as we begin to look at God's Word. Father, we thank You that You are an amazing God, that You are sovereign over the affairs of men. We thank You, God, that we have technology so that those that can't be here with us today can still join us online, that we can minister here and we can minister virtually, Lord, that even our brothers and sisters in Belize, thousands of miles away, uh, can join us today, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for giving uh, men and women uh, an intellect to be able to develop such things, God. And that is just a small, tiny fraction of the wealth and the knowledge and how amazing you are, God. You know all things. We acknowledge that, Lord, you are the king of the universe. Father, thank you for taking us uh, through the last uh, six to eight weeks. We ask you we continue to take our church, um, our local community, our state, our country, really this entire world um, through the weeks that uh, lie ahead. We ask that you would continue to be gracious to us, Lord. Continue to walk with us. Continue to keep uh, this virus at bay. We pray that deaths would continue to be minimized. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to have our congregation be healthy, our friends, our family, Lord, that if they get sick, that they would be healed quickly. God, let this be a wake-up call uh, for the church. Let it be a wake-up call for unbelievers. Use this, Lord, to bring people to know you. Use it, Father, for, for children, for parents, for grandparents, to hear the truth of the gospel and respond in faith. Even, even people, Lord, that maybe have been going to church for a long time, maybe, maybe parents that have been there but never truly believed, maybe kids that have grown up but never truly believed. God, use this, such a time as this, to awaken their hearts unto you. And Father, we thank you for the congregation of the saints that we can worship you. It is a sweet thing, Lord. We love you. Amen. All right, believe it or not, we're already in the middle of May, right? And <clears throat> I want to hearken back, if you can, to January. What was our theme as we kicked off 2020? Y'all remember? That's, like, that's the vision of liberty, belong, flourish, go. But, but we, we had like a theme that we kicked off for 2020. <laughs> Laura wants one word. All right, I'll, I'll give you the, it's three words. I'll give you the first word. Is that stay? Well, that's why I'm going to focus on this message today. <laughs> to remind you. To stay on mission. That's the theme. Yeah, you guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, okay. <clears throat> All right, so 
Think back to 20, 2020, January. You're in January 2020. Like, we had all sorts of plans, right? All sorts of personal plans, family plans, church plans, and, and what happened to all that stuff? And poof, gone, right? Mission trips, vacations, retreats, outreach, I mean, gone. I like what Proverbs 19, this is what we need to be reminded of, Proverbs 19, 21. Actually, turn there. I miss actually saying that to you all, honestly, so I might go a little overboard today, but I want you to see it. Nineteen verse twenty one. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we had all sorts of plans, right? All sorts of plans. But God knew all along what was going to happen, what was coming down the pike, where we were going to be, right? So that last part, the purpose of the Lord will stand. Now, God has a purpose for what's going on right now. Ultimately it's for his glory, right? But he has purpose, and I actually think he has multiple purposes. Purposes for the church, purposes uh, for unbelievers, and then purposes for our families, and then us individually. I want to talk a little bit about that today. But when Proverbs back and forth says, let your eyes look directly forward, I mean, that's the idea of staying on mission. We've got to stay on mission. And so we adjust, and when plans are adjusted, God's been adjusting our plans, essentially, wiping some of them out. We have to adjust accordingly. And as we're doing that, we have to make sure that we stay on mission. Well, what's the mission? Our mission, <clears throat> and we have a vision and a mission. Liberty's mission is to equip believers to serve God and others. Equip believers to serve God and others. And to reach unbelievers with the gospel of Jesus. That's our mission, our mission statement, so to speak. Let me, let me talk about our vision. Belong, flourish, Go. Our mission is encapsulated in our vision. So I want us to make sure that we are staying on mission for 2020. And what does ministry look like during this time? Because we don't just, we don't just hit the pause button. The other thing that I've actually kind of realized, I'm just going to interject some stuff throughout, because like the camera has usually just like a little narrow focus, I've kind of been like in this little like three-foot you know, container box, okay? So if I stop, I'm going to try to get myself to get back into moving again. <clears throat> All right. So uh, we, don't just, we don't just hit the pause button, and we don't just take a break from ministry at really any time in our life. Okay, if you got breath, you got ministry that God, that God wants you doing. Whatever that might be, God wants you doing ministry. So just because we've been in a quarantine, just because our daily lives will continue to be affected, by what's going on, ministry doesn't stop. Ministry can't stop. Um, I've, been, I've, been, I've been just as busy, if not busier, uh, for the last six to eight weeks doing ministry. And we have to adjust to make sure that we stay on mission in regards to doing ministry. Because here's the thing, friends. If you're a believer, God's gifted you. Right? He's gifted each one of you. If you are a believer, God has gifted you with giftings. That's why part of that mission, equip believers to serve God. So God's gifted you to help other believers. Maybe you have the gift of exhortation. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. You're helping equip believers. You're helping them to stand firm in the faith. You're helping them to walk their walk with Jesus. So how are you using that? 
How are you using this time to continue to minister? Yes, it's going to look different. It's going to look really different. But, but it's going to look different, but we still have to have ministry going on. All right, are you hearing me? So we've got to stay on mission. That's my first point. This isn't time for a break or a vacation or, or a little hiatus from life. That, that's dangerous thinking. We've got to stay on track. We've got to stay on mission. There's going to be all sorts of distractions. We've got to look out for distractions. Look, anything good or bad or you could just neutral, anything in life can end up being a distraction. Good things can be a distraction. Bad things can be a distraction. Neutral things. Something like, even like with this virus and all the precautions we're taking, which we should, those can end up being distractions to pull us away from doing what God wants us to do. To pull us away from staying on mission, to pull us away from serving one another. Do you know how many times it says one another in the New Testament? A lot, okay? A lot. It's one of the few times I won't know the answer to a, to a numbers question. I, it, it says it a whole lot. And when you look at it, most of the time it's reciprocal because the idea is like love one another. So you're loving them, they're, they're loving you, right? It doesn't always work that way, but most of the time it means you're, it's a reciprocal relationship that's going on. One another, one another, one another. I mean, you can't live Christianity in a bubble and satisfy the commands of Christ because you can't do those one another things, right? You can't do the one another's. All sorts of one another's. This would be a great sermon series sometimes, all the one another's. Some of it is just plain. Love your neighbor, right? Love one another from the heart. Just love. If we can just get, get that down. Now think about it. I was looking to a book. We might be using it in the life group at some point, but I was, I was reading uh, through a book this past week. Made interesting um, observation. Like Jesus was able to boil down the entire Old Testament, all the commandments, like 613, all of them, to how many? Two, right? Two. I mean, isn't that interesting? 613. Here, look. Boom. I got two for you, right? And even, even <clears throat> uh, before Jesus came along, the Old Testament, that 613 was even boiled down in the Old Testament to how many? Ten, right? I mean, kind of, I mean, we talk about the Ten Commandments. Well, the Ten Commandments, you know, they go into the catechism, they got the little, you know, fake stone tablets or something like that, Moses holding them. I think that's important for us. This is really almost a side note. But, but think about that in terms of how we, like, how we run our own lives, how we run our families, how we minister to people. <clears throat> we got to be careful of not, not swinging over to to rules and 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 miss the heart of what God wants in our homes. So a lot of times, if, if, you're, if you're running uh, and, and end up in, with legalism, legalism ends up with tons and tons of rules. You know, every little thing. You got to do this, you got to do that. You gotta, I, was, I was reading on a forum the other day about this gentleman who was having a problem with an employee. The employee had to, I won't even tell you, it was just bad. Um, he was having a problem with the employee. It was such a no-brainer thing, and this guy's like, well, do you, is that in your little you know, manual of, of employee you know, do's and don'ts or whatever? And it's kind of like, no, that's kind of a no-brainer. There's certain things just employees should know not to do. Okay. Well, we've got to be careful when we talk about principles 
I mean, we talk about rules. We want, you know, overriding principles in our church. We want overriding principles in our family. We want overriding principles uh, individually. Those principles should be the guiding thing. And what this author was saying, which I thought was interesting, is he said, you know, some families have like 100 rules. And maybe their kids follow 20 of them. So what are they batting? Come on, y'all. <laughs> They're batting like 200, right? Well, what if you just had 25 rules? And they follow them all. What are you betting? A thousand, right? I mean, they say a thousand if you're a baseball fan. Yeah. <clears throat> Which would be better? You're like, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, when we're training our children, one of the things we're wanting them to do is to teach them obedience, right? We're wanting to teach them obedience and to follow the rules uh, 20% of the time, betting 200. 45% of the time betting 450? No, we really want them to teach them 100%. Why? Because when God speaks to us, he wants us batting 1,000. When God speaks to us, he wants us obeying him. Not 20% of the time, not 45% of the time, 100% of the time. <clears throat> so uh, sometimes what can happen is, um, we don't do that, right? We don't do it at all. We fall short. But here Jesus gives us two overriding principles that if we lived by that, we'd actually fulfill the 613. So I think we need to think about when we're structuring things, whether we're bosses, when we're structuring things, whether we're a mom or a dad, <clears throat> what are things that we can put in place that really boil down the heart of what we want to see for our family? Principles. Okay? From that, you flow rules, but what are the overarching principles that we think are important to emphasize for our kids? Set them up. Uh, I, was, I was getting ready for, um, and I was prepping my, my uh, Latin final for my students. And I was, as I was prepping for it, I'm like, probably most teachers, if not all of them, go through this. Like, any, any teacher can make a test as hard or as easy as they want. I mean, they really can. They can make it to the point of, of not being able to pass, uh, which is what I felt like mostly in college just about. You know, their goal was to make it as hard as possible, and you'd get in classes, and a 40% would be like a B or something like that. I mean, because of the curve, and 50% and, and was an A. It just blew my mind. That, that wasn't learning to me. But anyway, um, teachers can make it as hard or as easy as possible. I was working on the final for my high school class, and, I, I mean, just the thought was going through my, my mind, like, let, I want to set them up to succeed. Like, I can make this Latin final... Uh, super impossible. I can make it super easy. I wanted to put them in a position to see, not just give them like a softball toss and everyone got an A for you and an A for you and an A for you, but put them in a position that they can do well based on how I've taught them, especially in the environment that we've been trying to learn for the last six to eight weeks. Set them up to succeed. And I think that's what we need to make sure we do in our own homes. Set our kids up to succeed. That's what we need to do in our service to the Lord. Set up to succeed. So we got to look out for distractions. Um, once we recognize we're being distracted, we got to make changes accordingly. Make changes accordingly. Recognize it, 
and course correct to get back to where you need to be with the Lord. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to ministry, this is something true. You can write this down. It is true. It will be true till the day you die. You have to be intentional about ministry. It's probably like almost everything in life that's worth doing. You're going to have to be intentional about it. You've got a relationship with your spouse. You have to be intentional about pouring into that relationship. Okay? Anyone that's been married for more than uh, one hour knows what I'm talking about. You've got to be intentional about nurturing that relationship. Same thing with your kids. You've got to be intentional. Those you know, great relationships with, with kids, this just doesn't happen. You've got to be intentional about nurturing that relationship. Same thing with ministry. You have to give it focus and intention. You, ha- you have to be intentional about it. If you wait for it to happen, hope it will occur naturally, it, it, it just rarely will. If you are intentionally looking for opportunities to minister, sometimes <clears throat> I feel like I'm guilty of this a lot. You know, I'm running an errand, right? And I know there's, you know, there's different types of people, but I can get like real mission focused in terms of whatever the task is. I got these three tasks. I'm going to Lowe's to pick up this thing. Like that's my mission. Don't distract me, which that, that can be a good thing. But what happens is, is you can miss out on, on ministry opportunities in the midst of that. Because you're fo- so focused on getting you know, the box of screws and the, the plumber's tape and, and all that, that, that you just kind of breeze through everything, you get back in the, and you miss the opportunity to minister to anyone that came across your path on the way to Lowe's, at Lowe's, on the way back from Lowe's. You, you just miss those opportunities. So you, you, have to be, you have to have you know, like your spiritual radar on where you're looking for those opportunities to minister to people. If you're not looking for them, they're actually there but you miss them. You will not recognize it. So I want to encourage each one of us, what's your ministry right now? That's what I want you to ask you. How are you doing ministry? If you're staying at home, what are you doing to minister? How are you using your gifts? And I want you to ask, what can I do to help fulfill Liberty's mission? Listen, if you're a part of Liberty, then you're part of Liberty's mission and you're part of helping make that mission happen. So, you're wanting to build up the body of Christ. You're wanting to reach people for Jesus. Build up the body of Christ, reach people for Jesus. So how can I equip believers to serve God and others? How can I reach unbelievers with the gospel of Jesus? Those are two questions that should be going through your mind on a regular basis. Then adjust accordingly. Lastly, we need to act like the true church. The true church will rise to the surface in uncertain times. It really will. The true church will rise to the surface in times of affliction. It really will. Look at 1 Peter 1. This is what it says. Peter, verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Are you guys know what all those... I I know you don't know probably the location of those places. That's fine. But do you know 
what the word dispersion means. I'm, I'm kind of hearing some whispers out there. Yours says scattered. What, so the idea is like dispersing something, right? And what are they called? What kind of, what kind of elect are they? Yeah, exiles. Thank you. Maybe yours says strangers. Okay. They've been dispersed. They're in exile, so to speak. Why? Because of persecution. Because of affliction. Now, did they stop being the church? Okay, so they're scattered. They're no longer all together. I mean, think of those places he just mentioned. That's, that's a pretty wide range of geography. Pretty wide distance there. They're all spread out. Peter's writing to them. Did they stop being the church? No. Okay, the church was still the church. He addresses this a couple times throughout 1 Peter specifically. Look at chapter 4. Beloved, verse 12. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. All right, some of you need to like underline that in your Bible. Because you're going to go through different things. What are we being told by the Spirit of God? Don't be surprised at the fiery trial. As though something strange were happening to you. Okay, we need to look at verse 13. That's really not where I want to camp out, but it is good. But rejoice. Okay, fiery trial, rejoice. It's so interesting how that goes together in Scripture. It's so amazing how hard it is for us to get there, right? But they go together. Think of James chapter 1. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when the glory is revealed. When you're suffering, it, it's crazy. But Colossians talks about it. James talks about it. First Peter talks about it. Part of that rejoicing is like you are going through in some measure what Christ went through. That's what it says. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Now, we're supposed to be like Christ, right? We want to be like Christ with all the great things. We want to do all the amazing stuff he did, right? But do we want to, are we willing to suffer? Are we willing to suffer? Christ suffered. Are we willing to suffer? So if we want to be like Christ, the path of Christ includes a path of suffering. It just does, friends. That doesn't sell, but it's the truth. That's the truth of Christianity. So, he's telling them, don't be surprised. There's affliction going on, there's trials going on. And guess what? The true believers, who are part of the true church, they rise up. They rise up. I love it where Proverbs talks about, you know, the righteous is knocked down. And what happens? They get back up. They get back up. The, 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 the gracious thing, the amazing thing, the th sweet thing is that it's not you picking yourself up. It's really the Lord doing it. And we get knocked down, you know, and the Lord is gracious and, and he, he gets us back up and he gets us on the right path. So true believers, they're going to rise up. Let's make sure 
we're rising up to be the true church. Think, think back to the Old Testament for a moment. <clears throat> Elijah, first, first Kings, um, he's just in this amazing feat with, uh, on Mount Carmel. You guys know the story with the prophets of Baal, right? They got their little altar. He's got his little altar. You guys remember what happens? Right? He's like, Let's, we're going we're gonna to see who's the real God today. So prophets of Baal, you do your thing. There's like 450 of them. And they're all dancing around. They're cutting themselves. They're all sorts of crazy stuff. If you look at it, it's even it's kind of weird what they're saying even. And Elijah, what does he do? He's mocking them. He's mocking them. I mean, they're serving false idols. They're serving false gods. So this amazing thing happens, right? And then Elijah's like, okay, you guys had, you know, you're like hours and hours. And, and Elijah's like, okay, my turn, right? And they're like, he prays and boom, instantly fire, I mean, just licks up the whole thing after he pours like all this water on it. But then what happens, Elijah ends up basically, this, God does this amazing thing. I've noticed this sometimes in my own life where you can go through an amazing mountaintop experience and then it's almost like you uh, fall off the other side of the mountain and you end up in the valley. And that's essentially what happened to Elijah and he ends up, he ends up freaking out and running <clears throat> gets a little despondent and a little, you know, a little poor me-ish going on. Um, and he's like, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left, right? And, and God, you know, graciously, gently, but forthrightly rebukes him. And he, and he tells him, look, I, I have 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee. 7,000 in Israel. So there's, you know, there, there can be persecution going on. We can have horrible kings like Ahab uh, going on. But God has a remnant. He will preserve his remnant. God preserves a remnant. So, you know, persecution can come, and we can be slapped down, beaten down. God preserves a remnant. So what's going on? Like, where's the church? We need to make sure that we're part of that remnant, that God has preserved us, so let's persevere. Let's stand up during the time of testing. Let's make sure that we are the church during this time. And what happens is we can get so caught up in our own stuff, I've been guilty of it too, that we forget about really that there's a world out there that's dying, that's hurting, and people are going to hell. We forget that there's believers in Christ that are having their own struggles and that they need ministry too. So we need to make sure that we don't get so caught up in our own stuff that we forget about everyone else. Think of Old Testament history. In just a few short books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, we got... Zerubbabel, most people forget about him, but he's actually in the beginning of Ezra. He's leading, what is he leading back? A remnant, a remnant of the people back to Jerusalem. Think about Ezra, what's he doing? He's leading a remnant back. What's Nehemiah doing? He's leading a remnant back. What's Esther doing? She's preserving a remnant, right? All of these people used by God to preserve a remnant. Look at Hebrews 11. The story kind of continues on. Verse 32.
says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemy armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They were went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Like, that's our heritage. That's our heritage. That's our heritage. These are our brothers and sisters who have gone before us. They've fought in the good fight. They've run the race. Well, let's follow in that path of glory. Let's follow them. Let's run with them. Because here's the thing. God didn't save you to fatten you up. All right, you're not the fattened calf. You're the son who's invited to the party. Now, <clears throat> you know, fattened calves, they loaf around, they graze on food. And maybe that's been describing what some of us have been doing the last six to eight weeks. Okay, I get that. But we gotta act like we gotta act like the son who's invited to the party. We gotta make sure that we're the one that is there on the mission, that we're privileged to be with the king. The king who also happens to be our father. Our father. And when we when we when we think about our relationship with the Lord, we need to look at it in terms of sonship. Okay? Not servanthood or slavehood, but sonship. That's how we relate to the Lord. That's how He has revealed Himself to us as Father. I mean, it was literally, <clears throat> I mean, just it floored people when Jesus said, Well, here's how I want you to pray. Our Father. Our Father. It, it was pretty much unheard of at that time to, to claim our Father was claiming a close, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. Yet that is the very instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples in how to relate to God himself, our Father. We need to see ourselves as sons. We need to see ourselves as ones who are privileged to be transferred from the kingdom of what are we being transferred from? Kingdom of what? Darkness. Being transferred to? Kingdom of light. Like that, I mean, that, that's, that's what we get. That's what's been done. And it's been sealed. What's our seal? The Holy Spirit, right? Can you unseal that Holy Spirit? No, good luck trying, right? He's stuck on you. <clears throat> stuck in you and he's stuck with you, okay? <laughs> in both ways, all right? <clears throat> like God, God is so gracious, friends. 
So let's use our time that we have, whatever it looks like for the foreseeable future. They're talking about like the new normal, the new normal. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know even what that means. Yeah, different churches might look different moving forward. Our church might look different. I mean, it definitely looks different right now. Um, some of you um, still apparently just rolled out of bed right before church like you did the previous six to eight weeks, but that's all right. <clears throat> we'll bring combs next week. <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. But let's make sure that we are staying on mission with what, what God has for us. Let's make sure we're acting like the church. Let's make sure we're not just <clears throat> closing up and doing our own little thing. Like, the people in front of you, the people behind you, the people on the other side of the sanctuary, the people on the other side of the world, our brothers and sisters out there, like we still need one another. Don't get to the point where you don't think that. That's dangerous thinking. That is dangerous thinking. The body of Christ needs the Father, absolutely. The body of Christ needs Jesus. The body of Christ also needs one another. All right, if, if, you, just, if, you, just, if you just went and left and, and never went back to church you'd be missing out on a huge part of your service to the kingdom or your relationship with the Lord. It'd be like walking away from your family. And sometimes, you know, that happens. You have, you know, people that haven't spoke to their mom or dad in like 10 or 15 years or haven't spoken to uh, a brother or sister in 5 or 10 years for various reasons. Like, I mean, that affects things. Things look different. Friends, we are the body of Christ that comes together to worship together, to serve together, to minister together, to love one another together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, may we be the body of Christ. That's what you call us. Then may we so act like it. Let us stay on mission, Father, with what you have for us as families, as churches, as parents, as children, as co-workers, as bosses, as employees. Lord, I continue to pray your grace upon uh, the people working outside their home, that you continue to uh, let them keep their job, continue to give them favor in the sight of their bosses. I know some people have taken cuts. God, would you... Uh, return that to them in various ways, spiritually and even physically, God. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to see you during this time at work, that we would continue to seek you during this time. Use us, Father, to be ministers of truth. Use us to bless others. Lord, do a work in our heart. Do a work in our heart. We ask in the name of your son, Jesus, who came willingly, died willingly, and rose powerfully to redeem a people, us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.